This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. Well, you all look like the frozen chosen. I got up, I was telling someone earlier, I got in my car this morning and it was 15 degrees. I drove down the road, got to uh, Dayton, and it got up to 16. Drove on further down. By the time I got to uh, uh, Austin Landing, uh, it got up to 17. Middletown was 18 degrees. And when I pulled into the parking lot here, it was a balmy 19. But I walked in here and I said, well, this place feels warm. And then some, Steve told me that one of the furnaces broke. And, uh, but I said, compared to outside, this is warm. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here today. And uh, we got a few little things we want to share with you today. Uh, I want to, on this journey of, um, that we are on for the next best thing, to talk to you about what the kingdom of God really is about. And really what the kingdom of God is, is that it is a party. Church should be a party, should be a celebration. Jesus Christ has come into the world, died on the cross for the sins of mankind that he might bring us all to God. That's called good news. Uh, The good news is, in spite of yourself, God loves you. Isn't that great? The good news is, even though you operate one french fry short of a Happy Meal, God still loves you. God cares for you. And he's not against you. In fact, when Jesus was born, uh, it says these are good good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people and to all mankind upon whom God's favor rests. That means God loves everybody. Doesn't matter who they are. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. Doesn't matter who they are, what background they've come from, how messed up their lives are. Doesn't matter whether they come from different kind of traditions and backgrounds and cultures. God is not willing for any person to perish, but everybody to come to everlasting life. He's just not willing. He's working for the salvation of every single person, even people you don't like. Even people you would think, boy, I can't wait. That person, you know, they're not going to go past go. They're going straight to the big red basement. Yeah. Yeah. But God loves them. God loves your enemies. One of the biggest enemies of the church was the Apostle Paul. God loved him. He is for you, not against you. And he's inviting all of us one day to a great big feast. A marriage feast, a party, a celebration where there is music and rejoicing and dancing. 
That's what the kingdom of God is all about. This was so in the minds of the early church that when they began first and had church, every time they get together, they got together, they threw a party. It was a continuation of the great Passover feast. They would come and they would set a meal. The old communion table that would sit in churches was just a reminder of the big banquet table that used to exist in the early church. And they would bring enough food to feed poor people. And instead of having a monthly soup kitchen, every time the church got together, it was a soup kitchen. Everybody was welcome. Come and get them. Because Jesus gave parables about inviting people to the feast, to the celebration. When they asked him what the kingdom of God is like, it's like a man who was going to throw a great party. And he went and invited the people who were supposed to come and they all turned him down. So he said, go out to the highways and the byways. Invite strangers. Bring them. Compel them to come in. I want my house full. We should be in a party mindset. You should have shouted amen and hallelujah and been running out to get some carrion today. We should be celebrating because there is so much to celebrate. My biggest fear for the church today is that's the one thing we're not doing. Sometimes churches in times where they feel oppressed in fear and fear for, well, even the survival of their Christianity, they feel like they have to retreat. You know? The things that you have walked through as a church, you might think, well, kind of the winds out of my cells. There are always obstacles to get to the party. Always. What we must learn to do is if we want to do the next best thing, which is a party, we must overcome obstacles to get to the party. And what God has for you is great joy, things for you to celebrate. So I want to call your attention to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> It says, and when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was in the house or at home. And many were gathered together. Why? Because wherever Jesus is, it's a party. That's not in the text, but that's... They were all gathered together so that there was no longer room. It's a big party even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. The words you speak should be words that encourage. And they came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. But there were some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. For who can forgive sins but God alone? 
And immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or take up a rise and take up your pallet and walk? But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet, go home. And he arose and immediately took up the pallet, and he went out in sight of all, so that they were all amazed, underline that, all amazed, and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, open it to our minds and understanding today that you may receive honor and glory and praise. And I pray you'll pass out invitations to your party. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Jesus gathers in a house and crowds gather around. People want to go where things are exciting, where people are happy, people are rejoicing. We want to be a part of something powerful. It doesn't matter how many people are there. It matters whether or not you celebrate when you get there. I was in a group a couple weeks ago. uh, We call them empty nesters in our church. Originally, they were people whose kids finally got moved out of the house, and, and, uh, but then the problem was some of those kids moved back in, and, uh, and you know how that works, but they continued to meet as empty nesters, and now they're like, they've become the senior citizen group. <laughs> they're still empty nesters. But well, there's about 20 or so of them, and we met uh, at Jeff and Tammy's house and had a little gathering. And every year we meet at their house, we play that little draw something on the board. And everybody tries to figure out what you're drawing. I don't know what they call that. I'm very bad at it. I do know that. But uh, the carrying on, the fun we had in Jesus there. We laughed so hard we were laying on the floor. It is the best bunch of people to get with because you know that these are my kind of people. doesn't matter how many of them there were, but my friends, for those of us who gather, that's church. You understand? These are my brothers and sisters. These are people that I could call on at any moment and they would drop whatever they were doing and they would be there for me. You see, when you get together with that kind of people, with that kind of mentality, then life becomes a party, a celebration. Now, a big crowd had gathered around Jesus because they knew something good always happens when Jesus is around. But there was one man who wanted to get to Jesus who couldn't get there because he was a paralytic. That means he couldn't walk. But he had friends. Kind of like some of those friends in the group I told you about that would do anything for him. So they went and got him and picked him up to carry him to the party where Jesus was. Now I'm so glad that they weren't an organized church that had a board. 
Because what we would have done is had a board meeting to figure out how we were going to carry this man. These four men got together and sat down and said, Well, I don't know if we should put wheels on this pallet or not. Or maybe we should carry him up high. I'm kind of a high stretcher carrier kind of guy. Well, no, I think we should go low. Well, maybe we better postpone this till next month. The man would never get to Jesus. Let me tell you one thing if you want to get to a party and remember that the party is where the mission of Jesus is. Never let methodology get in the way of mission. Never let your method keep you from your mission. There's a thousand and one ways to do anything. The more, most important thing is that you do what is necessary and needed. And that's the mission. So these guys picked up this man and carried him to Jesus. Now, when they started carrying him to Jesus, they found another obstacle. It was the crowd. Let me tell you something. There'll be times in your life that people will stand in the way of you getting to Jesus. You ever had that happen? People say, do things, irritate you. Listen, don't allow people to stand between you and getting to the party, getting to where Jesus is. You never let the crowd keep you out. And Jesus is available to everybody and is not willing for anyone to miss the party. So don't allow the crowd. They looked and they saw the crowd and they thought, we've got to get this man to Jesus. That's our mission. How are we going to do this? Well, the house has a roof. Nobody's up there. So they carried this man up to the roof. Now, they had flat roofs on houses there, so... Don't worry, they weren't standing up there getting ready to slide down off the shingles. But it was still a roof. And they get to the top of the house, and there's, well, the roof between them and Jesus now. So what did they do? Well, what any logical person does, they tore the roof apart. Man, what would you do if this was your home? They're tearing the roof off of your house because Jesus is there. Hey, these people are saying, I want to get this guy to Jesus. It's more important that I bring my friend to Jesus than anything in the world because I believe that Jesus can change his life. So they started removing the roof. And I can imagine Jesus is down there teaching and all of a sudden he begins to look up and there's like dust coming down, and little pieces of this and that, and, and uh, splinters of wood dropping down around them. And all of a sudden, the, the light of the sun comes shining down into that room. And there's these four smiling faces up there, smiling down at Jesus. And I just have a feeling that Jesus was smiling back. And they take their friend and they start lowering him down right in front of Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that the craziest thing? You've got to watch who you invite to a party. They can wreck your house. You never know what people will do when they show up. But Jesus 
said, this is what faith is. When he saw them, he was amazed at their faith. And, uh, and I think sometimes that we think, you know, faith is figuring it all out and then believing it logically. Uh, or that it makes sense to me. But that's not faith. Faith is knowing that God is all-powerful, he is love, and he cares about me, and that me getting to Jesus, or in bringing my friends to Jesus, is the only thing that really matters, because if anything good's going to happen, it's going to come from Jesus. I'm putting my trust and my hope in him and no one else. And that's what they were doing. You know? So Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Some people think Jesus is answering the wrong question here. The man's crippled. What are you talking about his sins? Uh, He probably hasn't been able to get around to commit too many of them. And then all of a sudden the uh, religious people step in. Now, there's a difference between being religious and being a follower of Jesus. Religious people are people who value form over function. Religious people have a form of godliness, but they have no power in their life. Religious people do religious things, but they never get to the party. In fact, many religious people don't like parties. Say amen or ouch. Religious people say we've got to make sure everything is done the way we think it should be done and and I'm going to decide whether I think you're the right kind of spiritual person or not. I'm your judge. Oh, okay, I know the Bible says I shouldn't judge. I'm a really good fruit inspector. And they go on and pick and choose who they think God will like and who they think God will bless and who's right and who's wrong. And here these religious people have Jesus in their midst. And the thing that comes to their mind is, what is he saying? Nobody has the ability to forgive sins except for God. You can be so judgmental that you can judge God even when he's sitting in your midst. You understand that? Some people have judged people who were angels unaware that God had sent your way. Don't allow stinking religious thinking to keep you from the party from what Jesus could do in your life. See, Jesus can do powerful things in your life, but sometimes it's your thinking that prevents it from happening. It keeps you from getting to the next best thing because you're thinking about the way it should work, how it has to be. You know? If you want to mess anything up, 
Get it in your head what it's supposed to be before you get there. Just do it. You want to mess up your vacation? Plan it. Plan it all out to the last detail. And I can promise you, it's not going to go according to your plan. I can guarantee it won't. But if you want to mess it up, plan it and get the picture in your head what it's supposed to look like, how people will treat you, what will be. Make it the biggest and grandest thing you can imagine it to be, and you will be miserable. First time I went on a cruise, I was blown away. Man, I ate like a king. I mean, we got in on one of these little late-coming person kind of cruises, you know. We didn't have a lot of money to spend, but for $400, we got a seven-day Caribbean cruise. That was some years ago, but it was good. And if you wait and get in at the last minute, they have to fill those rooms. You can get a bargain. Just telling you that. You can pay me for it later as a travel agent. But we got on that boat for $400. And we ate three glorious meals a day. I had to even uh, pull out a almost costume tux to go to the evening dinner. Sit with fancy people. Act like you're rich when you're not. But you get to eat like you're rich. If you don't like this steak, we'll take it back and you can order anything else you want. Really? Oh, I paid 400 bucks, and I got a room. I know it's an interior room. It doesn't have a view, but it's a great room. <sighs> I mean, I walk out the door, go down the hall. I come back two minutes later, and my bed is made, and there's chocolate sitting on the pillow. I never get that in a hotel room. It's incredible. Entertainment, free entertainment, music, singers, musicians, everything going on, shops, where they even have sales and special things. The only money I needed, really needed, was when I got off the boat to go do some souvenir shopping. I mean, it was great. Got out to be on the ocean and see the deep, dark blue. Oh, I was amazed. I finally knew what navy blue was. I'm getting off the boat. Person walking up in front of me says, that was the worst trip I ever had in my life. It wasn't anything like I expected it to be. I was stunned. For 400 bucks, you couldn't have a better time. You didn't even have to pack your bags and lug them around. They took you everywhere. Sailed into San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was glorious, beautiful, multicolored houses. The sun was shining. How does it get any better than that? It was awful. It wasn't what I thought it should be. Your preconceptions will destroy the party, your laughter, and your joy. Travel lightly with no expectations, and see what God will do. Well, Jesus does not allow 
what they're thinking. In fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus perceived within himself what they were reasoning in their hearts, and he says to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven you, arise and take up your bed and walk. If God heals you, it's a sign that his favor rests on you. If God has ever touched you or ever healed you, it was a sign that he is loving you. And he cares about you. He has forgiven you. Now, if you're an overthinker and you think about things, you probably haven't forgiven yourself. But God has forgiven you. And it's your thinking that is keeping you from enjoying the forgiveness of God. That's all it is. You're not happy because, well... For happiness to really come to my life, it has to meet what I already think happiness should be. You understand? We steal joy from ourselves. We cooperate with the devil in our life because we demand things to be a certain way to meet our expectations. Get rid of those And let the joy flow. Jesus says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet and walk. Forget what people say. Forget what people think. Forget what is possible or not possible. Forget whatever the people are doing, the crowds that have kept you away. Forget all of that. Just take up your bed, man, and walk. And the man just gets up and he walks. How do you think he felt? He said, probably inside, this is the greatest party of my life. I can walk. Woohoo! I don't know if he leaped in the air and clicked his heels. Hard to believe a guy my age can do that, huh? Kind of surprised me. But I can imagine that his heart was filled with joy. So much so that everybody in the room saw it. And this verse 12 says they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we've never seen anything like this. You see, you got to get rid of some things if you're going to get to the party. There was a young boy many years ago. There was a man in Tennessee by the name of Charlie Flatten. And he and his wife had raised all of their children. And they had, I think, about six. And then one day his wife comes to him and says, Dear, you'll never believe this. He said, What? Another little one. Couldn't believe it. Kids were all raised, gone. Now they got another one. Well, when that baby was born, they named him Chairman. Chairman. Because the day he was born, he was in charge. He took over. It's the truth. This is a true story. And it's, I don't know why it is, but it seems like when, when uh, these uh, children are born, God just, these last children, he pours everything into them. And parents are so worn out. I mean, kids get away with everything. Well, Chairman was one of those kids that did everything to the extreme. 
everything. Um, and one day he, he was in a pet store and he wanted one of those dime store turtles. Loved that turtle. He wanted it. And they said, it's not going to live very long. I don't care. Got to have this turtle. Got to have this turtle. Got to have this turtle. So they bought him the turtle. He took that turtle with him everywhere. Put it in his pocket to go to school. Put it by his pillow at night when he went to sleep. But as you know, those turtles don't live very long. And so he started to get sick. So he insisted that his mom and dad take that dime store turtle to the vet. They At first they tried to reason with him, but he insisted. And being worn down, old parents, they just did it. And when the dad came back, he said to chairman, Chairman, I've got good news and bad news. Bad news is that this turtle that you love so much isn't going to be with us very much longer. He's going to die and go to turtle heaven or Wherever it is, God sends little turtles. But because you loved him so much, when he dies, we're going to throw the biggest party you ever saw. We're going to play games, and we're going to have cake, and we're going to have ice cream. And little chairman said, Oh, Daddy, can we kill him now? Because Chairman wanted to get to the party. He was willing to kill whatever stood in his way. Get rid of it. What do we need to clear out of the way in order for us to get to the party that Jesus is trying to throw in our life? What party does God want you to have? How does he want to celebrate your life? The kingdom of God is a party. And it's going on. And there are people who are going to it. And there are people standing around complaining about the, that party's making too much noise, they think, in this world. But God is throwing a party. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. And it won't do us a bit of good to stand outside of it. It's time to get with it and get into it. What do you have to let go of? What do you need to give up? Is it people? I know people say, Oh, I'm not going to church. There's hypocrites there. There's hypocrites everywhere. I found hypocrites downtown. I find hypocrites in law, in law enforcement with judges. I've seen hypocrites in hospitals, doctors who took the Hippocratic oath but are hypocrites. That was a little play on word, very little. I have seen people be hypocritical in theater, entertainment. They're all hypocrites. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Yet they all pretend like they're a little more self-righteous than the other person. 
Got a dear friend of mine. He builds dulcimers. Raised Jewish boy. He's been trying to discover Jesus. But you want to talk about out there? He's out there. He was complaining the other day about some of these people who are so judgmental. And then he was calling them names. I walked into my church office. We had a young missionary gal who was just starting out, just young, and we were sending her off to a mission work, and, and uh, she was complaining about judgmental people in the church. And she went on for a while, and I finally just said, can we stop judging those who judge? I mean, do we let people stand in the way of our joy? What in the world does somebody being broken have to do with our joy? If you're putting them in between you and Jesus, you need to get rid of it. If you're allowing time, obstacles, buildings, or anything else standing between you and your joy of Jesus, it's time to put it away. Don't let it rob you of the party that's going on. And if you're letting the opinions, or as I mentioned, the stinking thinking, to keep you from celebrating what God wants to do, then get rid of it. Let it die so you can get to the party. You know my testimony a little bit that I grew up pretty rough. And I went through a time in my life where I was trying to sort it all out, go back and fix and heal and recover and do all of these things to fix it all. One day, it dawned on me I could do that again and again and again, and no matter how many times I went back, the past would never be right. I finally had to decide, Lord, I've got to just follow you. And he said to me, finally, come and spend time with me. And if you will enjoy me and celebrate with me, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Do you know when we finally get to the big party in heaven that goes on for eternity, that all of these former things will never come to mind? That's what the scripture says. So it's time to join the party. Stand with me. I want you to bow your heads and look in your heart. And I wonder if you can just, with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, if there's things you know you need to let go of to start being, recovering the joy of your walk with Jesus and celebrating his life. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you just raise your hand this morning? Bless you and you and you. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Bless you. Yes, 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 yes. You can take them down. Lord, I pray right now that whatever it is that seems to stand between us and our joy, the celebration, the party that you are throwing, being really so close to you that we forget about everything else, 
I pray that, Lord, you will help us to see you and being with you as bigger, more important than all of these other things. Oh, Lord, let them grow dim to our eyes that we might see you more clearly. Let the battles, the struggles, the hurts, the rejections, the things that people have done to us, the things that people have said about us, the things that we have heard, the thinking that's developed in our brain. Lord, let those things grow dim and let us see you more clearly. Let our hearts be lifted. Let us know without a doubt that you don't count any of those things as being as important as celebrating joy and life in Jesus. And that's what we were made for. So bless us today. Help us to lose some of this stuff that's on our head, in our head and on our minds. And let's open the door to celebrate. And if we have to take the roof off, let us do that. And if we have to kill the turtle, let us do that. But take us to the party, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing. Let's come to the party. That's what worship is. It's having a party. Some of the best parties I've ever been to. We all just get around the piano, start singing, telling stories. It's a joy. Let's, Let's go to the party. Let's sing. Let's rejoice. Thank you.